This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. How about that for a short introduction? I wanted to shorten that to less than 15 seconds just because, gosh, it was such a long intro. It took about 30 seconds to get into the opening, and I wanted to get right to it because we have an action-packed show today. I'm Eric Nordoff, your host here today for the Courage Cast. Well, I'm always your host here, I guess, not just today. I have a special guest today, though. His name is Tim Mahoney. Tim Mahoney is a producer. He is a director. He's a filmmaker. And I got the opportunity to be introduced to him recently, and I found him fascinating. He lives in Minnesota. He's been making films since about the beginning of 2000. He had a very diverse career, just like me. Uh, I'm a little younger than him, but uh, I just found him to be fascinating. Not just the film that he was producing, which is equally as fascinating, but also him, just the makings of a filmmaker, what it takes, what brought him and led him to that. His films are faith-based, they're historical, and they challenge your faith. Because out in the mainstream, they are questioning, people are questioning the Bible. They question whether the Bible is true. They question what Jesus said was true. There's always challenges. And we shouldn't shy away from that. And I, I love that attitude that he shares in our interview. He's a fascinating man. The movie that we talk about is called The Moses Controversy, Patterns of Evidence. And it's part two of a series of movies that he's been making since 2000. A, a trailer that actually scared me a little bit. And I talk about that. It's uh, it, it makes me wonder if he's going to come to the conclusion that the Bible isn't true. And what Moses wrote couldn't have been written back in the time because there was no method for writing at the time, 3,500 years ago, when the Exodus occurred. So great interview. I loved talking with Tim Mahoney, and you're going to love it too. Now, after our conversation, which goes about 45 minutes, I also have a little something I'd like to share with you. At the end of every episode now, I'm going to include a quick tip, a devotional, a short thought for the week. And these episodes I'm planning on releasing once a week again. I've been sort of scattered over the last six months as I've been reviewing my life and taking an inventory of my life. And um, But now I'm settled on once a week, and I'm settling on Mondays when these episodes will be coming out. So after this episode, after this interview, at the end of the episode, I'll be talking about something that... Um, will be a productivity hack. This is something that saves me a lot of time. It's a little bit of time that I invest that will save me a lot of time because I get clear on some things. So I want to share that with you next after this interview. But for now, let's jump right into my conversation with director and filmmaker Tim Mahoney. Well, I want to welcome Tim Mahoney to the Courage Cast. Tim, welcome to my little podcast here. Well, it's great to be here, Eric. Yeah. Um, Tim, I, um, I'm a little scared because I, <laughs> I watched your trailer for this uh, brand new uh, movie, which is going to be in theaters 
uh, in March, March 14th, 16th, and 19th, I believe. Right. Um, and uh, it's called Patterns of Evidence, the Moses Controversy. Um, right. Tell me a little bit about, well, I mean, it scared me because I'm questioning my faith now watching this thing. So, you are? Yeah. Well, this is the Courage Cast. We can't have any of that going on. <laughs> Okay. Right, right, exactly. I'm, I'm a little worried. So I, I'm. It makes me want to watch the movie. Is what I'm saying. You're questioning all kinds of stuff about whether Moses actually wrote these first books of the Bible. Well, what's well? Let me just share with you. There is a reason to be concerned. A little bit to be afraid because when you send your, you know, do you have children? Yes, Eric? I have three. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I have four. When you send them off to college, or you send them off to. To, you know, to any university, or, and, and sometimes even to a Christian college or university, um, often there, there's a lot of things that are changing in the way people are looking at the historicity of the Bible. And uh, especially, uh, you know, they're challenging the authorship of Moses and, and a lot of different things. And so this film, um, you know, takes that on. It takes on those big questions, uh, because for the last several hundred years, there's been criticism against the writing of the first books of the Bible. People are saying that Moses didn't author uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, or Deuteronomy, but that you know it was written maybe a thousand years after the the events were to have happened by multiple authors over the year over the centuries, mm-hmm. and most people don't know about that. Most Christians don't know about that. But if your kids leave home and they go off to university, uh, that thinking is going to be taught to them. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Well, I, and I, I'm just becoming made aware of this. My son is um, a freshman in university right now. He's at a Christian university. And, um, you know, I, and I have several family members who, you know, question all of it, you know, uh, question yeah. all, of, all of the Bible and, you know, why... Why should I even, you know, explore it? Is it really relevant for today? And mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of you're uh, you're wanting to dive into that and and get to the truth. Is that is that right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand too that I never thought in the, my wildest imagination that you know I would be uh, going off to question these big. Uh, stories of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I, I was, I'm a filmmaker. Um, I, I always wanted to be a filmmaker. It's taken me a long time to learn how to make films. And uh, the idea, this started in 2000, around the year 2000, was to um, go to Egypt and to make a documentary on the story of the Exodus. Now, 2019. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been this long journey the first film that I made was called Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus. Mm-hmm. That film took 12 years. Yeah. 12 years, Eric, to make. <laughs> and, how do you do that? I mean, how do you make a film? And how do, how do you have the patience? I'm a, I'm a seven on the Enneagram, and I'm always a go, go, go getter. And um, I would run out of um, inspiration in 12 years. It would, if, it did, if, if I couldn't release the movie in two years, I don't know if I'd be able to do it. Well, you gave it more time than I did. I gave I gave it one year. Okay. And and what happened was was that I I ended up coming to a place where uh I realized that 
uh, I didn't know what I was doing, first of all. Uh, it was such a big subject matter that it was kept getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. And I remember sitting in, in church on a Sunday, and, and this thought came, that, you know, I just said, I, I'm a liar. You know, I said I was going to have this done, and it's not done. Mm. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I felt this very strong sense in my mind, this thought, and it was, I believe it was God, that said, this film will be finished when you, I say it's done, mm. not when you're tired of working on it. Ooh. <laughs> Which, you know, and then, then the next line was, what you're building is a fortress, not a facade. Mm. You know? I like that. Uh, you, you know, if you build a facade, people are going to knock it over. But if you build a fortress when it's strong and all, you know, has multiple sides, you know, people can surround it, but they're not going to be able to just to destroy it. And 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 I've learned that in order to, I think you've probably you've talked to a lot of people. What you understand is that if you are allowed to hear different positions, it frees the the, the listener to make a decision. Mm. And and so. When you see the different positions that are presented in our film, it's to free you to make a decision. Yeah. And the Moses controversy, the big question is, is, did Moses write it or not? Now, can we prove that he wrote it? What I can show you is that there's powerful evidence that he had the ability to write it. Mm-hmm. And down the road, we'll show you powerful evidence that what he wrote um, in the future was prophetic and that it, it, you know, what was written, you know, long before any events happen, uh, inspired by God, it shows that God is outside of time and space, and that's a whole other yeah. future area where we're going to be going. Mm. But it, I can, I can, we can demonstrate a powerful, powerful connection with this, this uh, what, what, what we uncovered, which we mm. started on one thing, which was could Moses write, and we we uncovered something amazingly much bigger than that. Wow. Yeah, and I want to dive into that, but I want to still I want we have a lot we have a plenty of time here to kind of unwrap this a little bit. So, um go back to the you know, even before your first movie, Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus, uh back in 2000. Um what experience did you have that kind of took you to that place? Uh, why, why were you interested? I, I'm reading a little bit about you here. <clears throat> it says that in 1980, you developed a recording studio with a music record yeah. label. Uh, right. And then in 89, you started your own advertising agency. Um, what I love about you is you remind me a lot of me. You're, you've done a lot of different things. And um, you seem to you seem to kind of jump into what you're interested in. You're more than an entrepreneur. You're, you're, uh, you're just, you seem to be curious. Yeah. Well, that is true. That is true. So you, you've kind of had the same experience then where I think that, you know, once you understand that maybe there's more that can be done than you just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, t- I'll share with you in this film, I start to tell you my backstory of my mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. And my my family broke up. Uh, my dad was a police officer, um, and he, uh, you know, that that took a toll on his life. He he was yeah. a Korean War vet, a decorated war vet. He was in a very um, difficult battle, mm-hmm. and I think he carried a lot of of demons with him. Mm-hmm. And so the family uh, broke up, and. Um, I was in like three different school systems growing up, and I remember I didn't even care about school. You know, at, at the end of the day, I would just throw my books in the locker, shut the door, and go home. Yeah, I never did any homework for for probably I don't know three or four years, mm. because 
I had everything I could do just to go to school and come back. And I hated, I hated the whole, that time of my life was so difficult that I fell behind. And I remember sitting in class once was as a, you know, I was a junior and for the first time I got a history book and I started reading it. And then I, and then I kept reading, kept reading. And the funniest thing happened to me is that I go, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be reading. I'm not supposed to like this stuff. I caught myself. I said, but I do. This is weird. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's, that's where it began. So you realized that you were just so curious about history and the stuff that you were reading was just really, really fascinating to you. Exactly. Um, Go ahead. Because, you know, Eric, it tells you where we come from. It tells you why this happened. You know, who came here first? Uh, I'm in a building right now that was an old trolley stop for the area. It's the, one of the oldest buildings, and I purchased it, and I made it into a, you know our company's uh, offices and studios and, and everything. Mm-hmm. But you know it has a history. But before this, there was nothing out here. It was just a field, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we come from somewhere. Yeah. People come from somewhere, and a lot of us today, we just we just know about a little bit about today. We don't know about where we came from or. Or where we're going, right? You know, you know. It's funny you say that. We're my wife and I are right now in a in deep, um, a, d- a deep dive into our family histories. You know, mm-hmm. Chrissy's my wife has been looking into it, and she's been fascinated by all of the connections that she has to Scotland, for example, and Ireland. And mm-hmm. um, you know, our mission is to kind of explore that and kind of go back as far as we can to find out who we're connected to and Chrissy found out some pretty amazing stuff that, that she's connected spiritually to some of the, uh, the, some of the great, um, spiritual, uh, uh what am I trying to say? That some champions of the faith back in the 1600s yeah. in Scotland. So that was, right. that's amazing. So, so that was a natural interest for you. Um, yeah. Well, could we take, could we take that, that, so here's a very interesting, now that you've talked about that, about this back, uh, if, if, if we basically say a generation is 35 years, let's mm-hmm. just pick that as a generation. Do you realize that that's only 100 generations back to the time of the, of the, of the Exodus? Really? Only 100? Only, only 100. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you get on an airplane, there's more than 100 people sitting on an airplane. But, I mean, let's say you get on a smaller airplane, there's 100 people. That's not a very big airplane. Mm -hmm. You could fly back into time with 100 people back to the time of the Bible. So you start to realize if you just had 100 people lined up and you just filmed them, you would, and you saw their costumes change over time. Yeah. What I'm... We think that this is ancient history, Mm. 3,500 years ago, 3,500 years ago. But 35 years, have a child. 35 years, have a child. You know, mm-hmm. 35 years, have a child. Right. It's not, uh, that generation is really not that long ago. So we're only 100 people, 100 people's generations away from the, the time of Moses. That's amazing. I hadn't even right. thought about that. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, tell us about, um, you know, uh, why, did, because your your documentary, the, the, the trailer, starts off with like three guys or two guys at least historians they seem to be scientists who are just like ah posh this is none of this is true 
there's no way that Moses could have, he didn't even know Hebrew at the time. That was something that developed, you know, long afterwards and all of that. So, so you started right. out with this wanting to find out, you know, if he could even have written um, the Bible at that time. Right. Because it was exactly. very different. It was a very different time, right? Tell, tell me a little bit about how they, how things were communicated, how stories were told back then. Well, a lot of people are suggesting that, you know, that it was oral stories and that, that one person would, around a campfire, would tell another person, and then that person would tell another person. Um, and so what they're suggesting is that stories grow over time. Mm-hmm. By the time we talked about generations, right? So 35 years later, you tell your grandson, or 35 years after that, they tell their children. And so over time, what they're going to say is that, you know, the Israelites went, you know, maybe the story started where they lived in Egypt, uh, and then they came over here. But in order to embellish the story, they told the story about the plagues, mm-hmm. and they told the story about the death of the firstborn, and they just exaggerated mm-hmm. because they wanted to get a, a, a rise out of their audience or whatever. Or that not only did they just walk from point A to point B, but they actually walked through water that was parted miraculously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. So what they what so what the question is 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 that that that's what a number of people are suggesting is that uh, liberal scholars are suggesting that these stories are not God acting in history they're just good mythological literature beautifully written but it's not really true yeah and 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 so if you send your child off to university and they they see a religion and Bible class, they think, oh, i got to fill my, that class. They show up for that class. <laughs> they don't realize what they're in for, right? right. So um, you didn't, you probably, my guess is you didn't like that. You didn't like being told that, or you weren't, I mean, that, that goes against everything maybe you were raised. Yeah, exactly. In fact, if that's the case, there are like 40 different references in the Bible, I have to look at my notes again, but I mean, where it says that Moses wrote, mm-hmm. first of all. And uh, and it also has a number of references where, where people are suggesting that Moses, you know, you know, uh, was the author, you know, the, the books mm-hmm. of Moses or the law, you know, Moses wrote this or Moses wrote that. And ultimately, the credibility of Jesus Christ, because Jesus talks about Moses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, if we if we don't think that there was a Moses or that he wrote these things, the the rest of the Bible is is testimony. Its testimony is suspect. Yeah. And by the way, a lot of mainstream secular scholars or liberal scholars they know that. Mm-hmm. They know that absolutely. They they get that connection. But so no one has addressed this question. Uh, in a very you know contemporary way, yeah. and so as a documentary filmmaker, in our new film Patterns of Evidence, the Moses controversy um, takes that on, yeah. and because I'm going to go from here to uh, the route of the Exodus, which is going to be called uh, the Red Sea Miracle, is the film mm-hmm. we're currently working on. Mm-hmm. But I had to know was Moses really able to write an eyewitness account? Yeah, because if it's just mythological, then what's the point in, you know, sort of looking at the details? Mm-hmm. How long did this take, this film take you to make? Because the first one was 12 years. Right. Well, what happened is that this one took about two years. Uh-huh. Um, it was less because we were, uh, 
I'm still trying to figure out how to make films. <laughs> <laughs> I love the honesty. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I I am really uh, still trying to figure it out, and um, uh, so that that's been my challenge is uh, is is you know trying to think through what am I doing, how this should this story be told, and I have a team. You know, I have a I have another uh, a writer, uh, Steve Law, who uh-huh. who he and I work together. He's very good with research, mm-hmm. and. We made a children's series in between the first film and this one mm-hmm. called Young Explorers. Yeah. And we, we took in and created that, and then we wrote some books. Uh, and then we're gathering a lot of information. It's taken me a, a little bit of a while to figure out uh, the approach, but I think the patterns of evidence approach, which looking for, look, what does the Bible say? What is the pattern that you would identify to search for? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, you know, go forward with that that pattern, uh, looking for it, that has become a really great, uh, format to, to, to use. Yeah. So, yeah, the, so you've, so it has a scientific approach to it, doesn't it? There's a logic, the logical, a logical approach to it. So you can, it, you can draw a conclusion based on following the patterns of evidence. And that's what you're trying to do there. And I think what you're going to see in this next film is that, is that the plausibility that Moses had every right and every ability to write now is is there. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but you kinda see a little bit of the the thinking of what what people would say that, you know, there wasn't possible. You start to see gaps in that. Yeah. You see you're starting to go, wait a minute, I thought they they told me that this wasn't possible, but I do see it is possible. Not mm-hmm. only is it possible, but the history of this uh you know, discovery of the alphabet. Um, you see, this film uncovers. I thought we were going to figure out could Moses write, <laughs> and it, it then uncovers something much greater. Yeah, than that. I can't wait, and I, I I know you're not going to give me the answer because you've got to watch the films to 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 uh, watch to get to the to get to the discovery. Um, but I'm fascinated by by the man behind making the movies, um, Tim. Uh, you'd say uh, you're being very vulnerable by saying I'm still trying to figure out how to make movies. I if I'm putting myself in your shoes, um, uh, it, there it, I, I would waste a lot of money. <laughs> First of all, I would wait, I would spend a lot of money trying to go in certain directions to try to figure out how to find the best partner who's going to be my storyteller that might, or, or like you said, find the a person that's really good at research. I mean, what is it? It, it does take a team, doesn't it? Like you've ha, what have you learned about making movies? Um, especially films that, that kind of tackle these faith-based issues. Um, what are some things you've learned? I think that, um, my, my, uh, you can make movies, there's, there's there's different kinds to make, and you, and what I mean by that is you, you can make them that are of your own initiative, and then you can make ones that you believe you're led to make. Mm-hmm. And um, I've decided that you know at, that I don't want to make the ones that are it's too much work if they're just something that I I mean that I want to make. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've decided that I, I have certain movies I'm supposed to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first thing, uh, is that I'm supposed to make them. I think that, you know, for a listener, there are things... There's a verse in Ephesians chapter 2 uh, 
verse 10, I think it is, it says, for, for we are Christ's workmanship. Yeah. It says that, you know, he's created before the creation of time good works for us to do. Mm-hmm. And you think about that, and you think, wow, I've always had a sense that I was supposed to do something. And I've been working at trying to become a filmmaker since I was 20, and I'm 61 now. <laughs> so, so Your I wife has had to through. endure all those years of you being a filmmaker. She has. <laughs> she has. The very first date I went on, I took her to a film lab to drop uh-huh. some film off. Uh-huh. Uh, and I told her about me wanting to be a filmmaker. Yeah. But I'll tell you yeah. something. You remember The Karate Kid? Yeah, I love The Karate Kid. Mr. Miyagi. Wax on. Yeah. Yeah. Wax on. Mm-hmm. Wax off. Yep. Wax on. Wax off. <laughs> I have been wax on, wax off for a long time. Uh-huh. It just, uh, you have to have tremendous, tremendous endurance and you have to build towards a big goal uh, mm-hmm. as far as well, what I mean by this. I had a sense that I was supposed to make films. And I had a sense, I remember sitting in a movie theater one time, and so it was like I had this thought that, you know, someday you're going to have a movie in the theater. Mm. I'm like, wow, that's a big idea. How would that ever happen? And then about well, 30 years later, I was in that same theater. Huh. And I, I go, oh, yeah, I remembered when I was, you know, when I was like, 19 years old or, uh, you know, 20 years old sitting in this theater and that, and I was, and that thought came to me and here I am wow. 30 years later mm-hmm. and, and it happened. Mm-hmm. So I think that there are things that we are supposed to do. And my fear was that I would get distracted yeah, and not do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's my fear too. I have a lot of big dreams. A lot of people that listen to this podcast have, have their own dreams and things mm-hmm. that they, feel led to do. And, um, my fear is that I won't be able to be obedient for the mm-hmm. long term. you know, mm-hmm. a long obedience in the same direction. That's, that's one yeah. of the things you're explaining is the key, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think that, I mean, I look at it at, um, this, uh, journey, I guess is that what it is, is that, is that, you know, you only have so much time. Time is, is you know finite and everybody has the same amount of time mm-hmm. except if you are allow yourself to be distracted then you don't have that time you you are giving it away just because you need to entertain yourself mm-hmm. and so the the challenge is you know amuse ah uh, muse mm-hmm. muse means to think mm-hmm. but i think the ah uh, means not <laughs> <It's Latin. laughs> So when you're amusing yourself, you're not thinking. Ah. You're basically just trying to... And what happens is we have we live in an amusement culture, an yeah, entertainment culture. Yeah, we do. And people are not thinking about a lot of things they should be thinking about. And they're not doing a lot of things that they're supposed to be doing. Mm. Yeah, but you know, it's ironic because it was in a movie theater where you were being amused where God spoke to you. And You're well, right. Yeah, yeah. right? And there's a place for it. Obviously, there's like six days of work and the seventh is resting, right? Right, right. Where you're not to think about your labor and you're not to think about certain things. Right. And so it's trying to get it all in the right order. Yeah, priority. And uh, mm-hmm. and guess what? Uh, Moses was the one who communicated the, that that idea. You oh. know, God spoke to Moses, you see. Mm-hmm. So we go back to the Ten Commandments. Well, a lot of the... Yeah, we go back to the Ten Commandments. In fact, we actually show uh, we we've done a lot of recreations in this mm-hmm. film. Uh, yeah. We've got the ten, you know, we've got uh, the Israelites, the Ten Commandments, and um, you know Moses receiving them, and mm-hmm. 
it's a it's it's a you know a feature cinematic investigation yeah. uh, this film is and uh it's a, it's actually has a the uh, i was able to kind of come in a time in history where i could make a, a feature documentary that that the theaters would accept because mm-hmm. there's this, this time in history where we have these things called fathom events mm-hmm. and a fathom event allows you to actually have they actually put like you know uh, concerts and opera and and especially films there mm-hmm. and i make a film that that works well in that environment and it's cinematic we have you know orchestra music from budapest and and it's uh i do you know recreations of the israelites and mount sinai and they'll see this uh you know cloud that comes down on mount sinai and and you know it's surround sound and the floor is rumbling and wow. Moses is going up to meet God. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so I mix the investigative documentary part of it with high visual recreations of the biblical story. Let me ask you a question that just just popped into my head. Um, so many of these things seem to occur thirty five hundred years ago. Why don't they occur now? Well, you, you want to ask uh, hard questions, huh, Eric? <laughs> you go there. Hey, you don't have to have the answer. I, I just literally, because I'm just thinking, you know, as you're putting this together and, and these amazing, miraculous events occurred, um, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I just wonder why, why aren't we seeing, and then Jesus, it, you know, there was t- lots of miracles and, and lots of things yep. in, in his rising from the dead. Um, I'm just giving you more time to think about your answer right now as I'm back. Well, I, I'll, t- I'll share with you that um, is that the next film is called The Red Sea Miracle. Mm-hmm. And so we're heading in that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're heading in that question of miracles. Can God part water? Um, this one was, could Moses write, have written, did, would he have had some capability of writing the first books of the Bible? But, you know, other people are saying that in, in other parts of the world, there are miracles happening. Yeah. And there are things happening because people uh, are open to it, yeah. and people are allowing it, and people are desperate. They have no other choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times there's not a need for a miracle because people have decided that they don't need God to help them with certain things. They can pay for it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Sure. They, yeah. are, they, they don't, they're not, they're not at a place of desperation. Yeah. Yeah, and we're not we're are, not in a place of desperation in our culture, aren't we? We we can pretty much take care of ourselves, right? Or at least we think and, we can. And yet, I think that doesn't it talk about a still small voice and listening to yeah, you know, to to God and, and understanding you know uh, more of His you know uh, what He's asking. Mm-hmm. So I think that. You know, when we talked about feeling like there's certain films that, that you're sort of, like for me, there's certain things we're supposed to do. There's certain things you're supposed to do. Yeah. Like you, you, you started to have these conversations with people. Yeah. Uh, and you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I love entrepreneurial stuff. I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I'm trying to understand, you know, how do I bring an increase mm-hmm. into what this is? And um, I felt that there needed to be a conversation about this. Uh, argument against the historical credibility of the Bible, mm-hmm. and somebody had to do it. Yeah, you know, 
Yeah. And so I, 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 I didn't know that I would be engaged with this or that it would go into movie theaters and mm-hmm. that we would be, you know, writing uh, information about it in books and yeah, well, that's, know, that's, all sorts of things. Yeah, there's a, there's a, I could talk to you for several hours because I, I'm fascinated by the story of how do you get how do you show up and and get a get films released in theaters? I mean, I know you partner with a distributor and all of that, but I'm just I'm just so fascinated by. Um, I guess you had a little bit of that experience when you did your first film, right? And it's just about relationships well, that you've built over the years. Go back to the Karate Kid, right? Yep. Wax on, wax off. So Keep you start. Up. You know, there's a story. The story about uh, David and mm-hmm. and when uh, he goes to Goliath, and I feel a little bit of that uh, David Goliath situation in my own life. But David says something to Saul. He says, you know, he talks to him. He says, well, how can you go out there and face this giant? He goes, well, I killed a lion uh-huh. and I killed a bear. Yeah. So I made, I don't know how many, but close to a thousand productions before I got into this. Mm-hmm. I filmed, you know, sporting goods and I filmed underwater. I filmed in deserts. I filmed car to car. I filmed on top of water. I filmed in mountains. I filmed all sorts of things long before I went to Israel or Jordan or Saudi Arabia or Egypt to film. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was trained, you know, from a professional standpoint. And then I was also had, had, it wrote all the advertising and marketing. Mm -hmm. So all of those types of disciplines were, were part of my schooling in a sense to communicate uh, this, this whole other level of, of uh, important material. Had I not done that earlier, <laughs> I'd be going, how am I going to do this? Yeah. <clears throat> I was part of the um, uh, the company Big Idea. Uh, I worked oh, with yeah. the company Big Idea uh, for a little bit. And it was right around the time when they released their film Jonah. Uh, uh-huh. And I remember a great deal of effort was put into that. A lot of, a lot of financial um, yeah. risk was put out for that. And unfortunately it didn't work out positively for them. It ended up being a really big loss, ended up becoming bankrupt as a result. Um, and yeah. now it's kind of been going from one clearing house to another, unfortunately, cause it's such a great property, the veggie tales. And, um, yeah. I'm just curious, do you ever think about the risk that you're taking when you make films like this? And, um, how do you mitigate it? Yeah, I'm I'm constantly at risk. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> I'm not the only one, but yeah, I think uh, you know the challenge that comes into it is that if you reverse the risk factor, then you pr- pretty much need to stay at home. But then mm. you better be careful about that too, because right. your house could burn down. So <laughs> y- y- uh, you know, you Good end point. up you end up uh, you know you you talked about courage, you know, and um, I think that. The issue has to be there is risk, but there's there's ways to reduce the risk by preparation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, what you're trying to do is, um, like going into a foreign country, uh, you know, being prepared, having the right people, uh, you know, doing the things that you need to do so that you have the right... Uh, permits and you do you work and do all your legal work you do all of your um per, you know like i said uh preparation for mm-hmm. environment like oftentimes i have cameras that get damaged because of the 
windstorm, yeah, or because of the uh, the the abuse of the of the banging around, <laughs> and so all that is okay. Next time we're going to prepare for it differently, <laughs> right? You know, because we're we're jumping, we're being, you know, we're in the desert and we're going over rocks and everything. Yeah. But that's you know from a uh, from a pre- preparation. I think that David was prepared for Goliath, which eventually prepared him to be king. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, but then he was chased by Saul. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of those psalms are, sure. you know, God help me, everyone wants to kill me. Right. So if you look at your life or you look at my life, there are things that happen from the, you know, and there's, I wrote a song, I, I, another part of my background, which is, I show in the first film, is I used song. to be involved with music, you know, uh-huh. and songwriting. Uh-huh. And I wrote a song called Fork in the Road. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's a fork in every road, you know, that we come to on the journey of life, you know, to do the wrong or to do the right, you know. It's sort of, in every day there's like forks. Yeah. You know? Like you get up in the morning, am I going to go to the club and exercise or am I going to go, you know. Uh, you know <laughs> what am I going to eat today? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 No. So then you come to another fork. Mm. I love that. Yeah, it is a, a series of small forks in the road. And in our lives as a whole turn into a real epic adventure, but they're made up of little tiny, small decisions moment by moment every day. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm really, yeah, you have any, something you want to say about that? Well, I think that you asked me a question about risk. And uh, because I know that, you know, uh, your involvement with entrepreneurs and trying to make, you know, there, there is a place where you do take risk, mm-hmm. but you're trying to make a risk that doesn't cause you to fall off a cliff. You know, like rock climbing. You know, you you are wearing a harness, mm-hmm. and you're you know you might fall, but it will probably won't be to your death. It should be just as long as that rope will stretch or whatever. <laughs> right. You know, but some people are afraid to get on the wall. Mm. They're afraid to you know try pounding a stake in. They're afraid to do that, and so you're. I think. I've seen a lot of people who who take uh, risks because they're proud, yeah, and they don't they don't want to wear a harness and they don't mm-hmm. want to be strapped into the rope. They want to basically brag that they did it. Uh, they climbed up that wall by themselves, uh, but nobody uh, that that's just foolishness. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't do any of this. I have a, a great uh, I've I've had a great partner uh, who's really been with me uh, uh, and. Uh, David Wester is an executive producer, and mm-hmm. he and I have been, you know, roped together here, mm-hmm. uh, and we've brought other people along, and we've never uh, knew that we would be, you know, what we thought was a one-year project would turn into, you know, almost uh, 18 years now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty blown away. I, I, I really, I sensed right from the beginning that there was a lot of humility in you, um, and uh, that you you don't claim or don't don't have the pride. I think pride is obviously literally comes before the fall. Um, and you're talking about falling off a mountain, you know. Uh, and uh, if you if you uh, mitigate the risk by setting stakes in the right places, you you latch on and partner up with the right with good people um, that are like minded, humble, maybe have different strengths than you. Uh, that can um, you know, uh, run with you in this journey. Um, you really can climb a, a mountain together, and it it does seem dangerous, but you're you're really mitigating that from one point to the next. Um, and, with, yeah, I think that your your uh, audience might need to, you know, to think about this. 
it's more risky not to do what you're supposed to do than it is to do what you're supposed to do and take risk. Mm. Say that because again. That is really good. It's more risky not to do what you're supposed to do than to do what you're supposed to do and, and have to take risk. Yeah. Because some people think that playing it safe is is um, is not risky. But I think that, that it, well, look at the Israelites. They didn't go in the promised land because they thought the risks were too great yeah. to conquer the Canaanites and to the you know the Philistines and, and to deal with all this. Do you realize the risk of living in the wilderness and dying in the wilderness? <laughs> right. So you had the promised land with fruits and and uh, food and and places to, to, for your sheep, and you would have houses you didn't build, and you would have you know this amazing. Uh, place to, to live yeah. or go live in the desert and if, mm-hmm. and because you don't believe that God can provide for you. Yeah. You think they're going to let you come back to Egypt? <laughs> yeah, right. You're going to be a slave again yeah. or you'll be dead. Um, yeah, so good. So uh, let me bring this back into the movie that's going to be coming out uh, again. Uh, we're looking at uh, March. What are the dates again? March 14th, 16th, and 19th. How did you pick those dates? Well, they picked them for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, those are good dates because, uh, boy, with the weather that we have, you know, we kind of spread it out. Mm-hmm. Those are fathom. This is a fathom event. It's a very fantastic opportunity. It's going to be, um, it allows for films like ours that are, we made a very dramatic theatrical film. Uh, and we. it's a two-hour film with an intermission. We have oh, really? A, a, yeah, we have an intermission in our film, just like if you went to a concert. Oh, very cool. Uh, and uh, then at the end of the film, uh, there is a, a panel discussion for about you know 18 minutes or so, mm-hmm. where we have uh, Fox News host uh, Ted Starnes is going to mm-hmm. be leading it. He's moderating it. Mm-hmm. We have Pastor A.R. Bernard from the Christian Cultural Center, mm-hmm. uh, who's uh, going to be on the panel. He's did a wonderful job. Uh, Oz Guinness, mm-hmm. a, a Christian uh, author and uh, critic, social critic. Michael Medved, mm-hmm. who's an author and, wow. and who's been on national radio as a host, and myself, talking about the the what does this mean? What does this mean? The, you know, this film for some people are going. Well, why should I see this film? Uh, you know, you know, I don't really. Well, how does it impact me? I think that I will share with you that what this film uncovers is that at the very time in history that the Israelites lived in Egypt. Uh, something happened. Mm. One of the most revolutionary uh, gifts to mankind came, uh, and it's the beginning of the first alphabet. Mm. Somebody took Egyptian hieroglyphs, a few of them, and modified them. And it wasn't an Egyptian, most likely. Mm -hmm. It was a Semitic person. They modified hieroglyphs to become the first foundational alphabet of the world, and this happened 4,000 years ago. Wow. It's connected, we believe, and we're going to build the case that it's connected to the Israelites, mm-hmm. and that this alphabet then becomes the basis of all alphabets around the world. Wow. Wow. This is really interesting. I'm really, really curious now. Um, I was just, while you were talking, um, <clears throat> I went to patternsofevidence.com forward slash Moses and then I clicked on the um, theaters because I wanted to buy tickets, theaters and tickets. 
And it was very easy. I just put in my zip code, and there it is. I've got three locations uh, on the 14th and on the 16th and on the 19th where I can go uh, Mm -hmm. all close by. Um, And so you're going to be doing this live sort of panel discussion, and it's just going to be broadcast. When you say Fathom, that means it's going to be broadcast along with the movie? Fathom is a is a uh, it's the coalition of all the movie theaters that can take on a, a film a film like Patterns of Evidence, the Moses controversy. Uh-huh. What it is is that we've been able to book throughout the nation, so we have nine hundred. Like the first night, it's like nine hundred and sixty five theaters. Wow! So we're we're covering the whole across the whole nation, mm-hmm. uh, from New York to Honolulu. Or, you know, I mean, it's just in Alaska. It's it's all sorts of places. Yeah. So yeah, it's a really big uh, outreach mm-hmm. and. Um, so, uh, and it's meant to be uh, an experience. It's more like going to a concert. Yeah. Because because of the the intermission and because of the whole break. So it's going to be, uh, uh, it'll be a two and a half hour event, mm-hmm. you know, for people. And yeah. They need to get there early, and they need to buy tickets in advance because um, a lot of these sell out. Mm-hmm. You know, we we had uh, a lot of theaters uh, sell out, and then people couldn't go right right and i then, mean they had to wait they had to find another night to go or a day but it's only gonna be for three days that's it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 14th 16th and 19th and then will it eventually be available on you know netflix or something like that well that's what happened the last time mm-hmm. right now we all we can say is go to the theater <laughs> yeah go to the theater see it now yeah, yeah. This is, is this a family oriented event too I believe that it is. I think that, uh, you know, it's not for young children, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but I have had, I have been told that nine-year-olds will watch it. It's, uh, I think, um, and, and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, it's a cinematic uh, film. Mm-hmm. It raises these questions. And, you know, some people say, well, we shouldn't raise questions about, you know, whether or not the Bible is true or not. And I, it's, and I kind of understand why they don't want to say that to their children, but... We also tell them that there's bad people that could kidnap them, right? <laughs> right. Well, they're going to kidnap their mind uh, yeah. if we don't let them know. Uh, because my, I have grandchildren. I have eight grandchildren. And uh, even now, at seven and eight, nine years old, they're talking about the Bible and they're talking about God at school. Yeah, sure. And and my grandson is telling me, yeah, my, my friend says that his dad says that the Bible stories are not true. Right, right. That just myths. Mm-hmm. So you think an eight-year-old, if an eight-year-old child is being told that to another eight-year-old child, child, it's this film brings tremendous evidence uh, for the you know truth of the Bible, the, yeah. the affirming of it. It's a Bible-affirming film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I and that. and so yeah, you you have to make a decision if uh, if you feel this would be good for your children. I know our trailer kind of shows the negative part of it because our films go out into the into the larger world. Yeah, our films, you know, like I said, they go worldwide. Yeah, and um, if I make a film that's just for uh, people down at the local church, uh, I can't make films then that go into Europe and uh, around the world. Yeah, and into the, into the main, you know, uh, the mainstream. Culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's. I think that's great. I think people are more accepting, especially if you're taking a very uh, open-minded view of things. So, uh, good on you. I'm. I'm. My background is German. A large part of my my family history is German, and we're very. We tend to be very uh, scientific people, and we want to know. We we want and logical people. Uh, so we we want to well, know. 
It's interesting that you would say that because Germany is where, uh, let's just put it this way, Germany is where the Bible was printed, mm-hmm. the next innovation. So mm-hmm. I, mean, I actually was just in Germany twice this year. Oh, okay. And, and uh, you know, the Gutenberg Press. Mm-hmm. Germany was also the place where the Bible was questioned, and the, the higher criticism is birthed in Germany. Yes. So you have the, the, the very first printing of the Bible into, you know, with a printing press. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, the alphabet. It, yeah. The alphabet then turned into movable type. Yeah. And, um, and then I also learned that the making of books was part of the New Testament. Instead of carrying scrolls around, they carried around, they cut the, scroll, the paper into, you know, the scrolls on the paper and bound them into what's called a codex, or they could make it, they could put twice as much on, yeah. on it and carry more. That's they so could carry f- these books. <laughs> it's fascinating, isn't it? The, it's all connected. It is. Oh, but man. You're, you're, your uh, distant relatives there in Germany were were part of this next technological, uh, the printing press, you know, happens in Germany. And then See? from there, the criticism also is birthed in Germany. There you go. Germany is the best. Uh, I'm very proud. <laughs> I'm highly proud. Highly proud of my, my culture. But um, but uh, this is so good. I, I Like I said, I could talk to you for hours. I uh, am buying my tickets as soon as I finish getting off with you and I'll release this earlier um, than I had planned because I want people to, to get their tickets in advance. So uh, okay. patterns of Thank evidence. So yeah. Patterns of evidence, the Moses controversy, just go to patterns of forward slash Moses. Right. And yep. there's lo- all kinds of social media out there as well. Hashtags. I'll, I'll link all of those in the show notes. Um, Tim Mahoney, thank you, uh, director, producer of uh, this film and other films. I look forward to seeing what you're going to be coming out with next, but I look forward to seeing this film. Thank you, Eric. And for people that have maybe family members that uh, they've been trying to figure out a way to take them and talk about things about the Bible, this film is in a neutral location in a great cinemaplex with popcorn, and they can <laughs> they can uh, afterwards go out for you know pie or something and and really talk more about it. It gets it opens the door. Yes, I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the Courage Cast, Tim. Thanks again. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. I love talking to Tim. You know, I was thinking about my dad as I was interviewing Tim because my father is very logical and uh, most Germans are. And we have had conversations in the past about our faith and whether it all makes sense or whether it's just a bunch of myths that were passed on back in the early times, ancient times. And this is really a movie I think we could watch together. I got my tickets. I hope you do too. All right. Up next, a short message on productivity that I'm learning. Let me ask you something. Is it easier for you to think about things that you do well? Or is it easier for you to think about things that you don't do well? Well, I'm going to give you the answer. And the answer is, it's easier to tell yourself the things that you don't do well. Our brain tends to lean negative. But the interesting thing that science is telling us that I've been reading is that in actuality, what the brain remembers is what you tell yourself. So what the, what you are going to remember 
comes directly from not the actual experience that you had, but what you tell yourself about the experience that you had and what you tell yourself about how that reflects on you. So what I'm trying to say is what you speak to yourself and what you think about is a direct is going to have a, a huge impact on your future because we are what we think about and we are what we tell ourselves about ourselves. So I want you to, from this point on, I'm going to challenge you. This is a call to action. I'm going to challenge you from, from this point on for the next seven days, I want you to do the following exercise. Now, this is something you should do every evening before you go to bed or at the end of your workday, however you want, whatever kind of your playing field is, I want you to start your time, and this should not take too long, but I want you to start your time by writing a value statement at the top. I want you to write a value statement. It should say something like, my value comes from who I am, not from what I do, for example. Then you want to follow that with a growth mindset statement. Anything that happens to me today is in my best interest and it's an opportunity to learn and grow. So that's a a growth mindset. And then, and this is the longest part, I want you to write out between 15 to 63 specific things you did well. I know, I know. It sounds like a lot. And it sounds impossible. And I can understand that it feels that way. But that's because it's something new. And you haven't trained your brain to think that way. So, but that's the point. It's an exercise. It's something just like I completed a fast recently. And I'll talk about that at some point. But in the beginning, it was incredibly hard. But it got easier and easier. So, it's going to get easier, but and you have to consistently force your brain to scan the world differently. But until it gets easier, you just need to keep going until you have at least 15 things. If you decide to quit before 15, just make sure you at least get two more than where you quit the day before. So for example, on the first day you do this and you can only think of five things, get at least seven the next day. All right. This is rewiring your brain. All right. It's really hard work, but it's totally worth it. So just keep a notebook at in a specific place where you write this down. So get a specific journal and use this as your rewiring my brain journal. And you know, you're probably going to eventually start thinking about things throughout the day. Uh, So just make a little note in your Uh, planner or a voice memo in your phone, just something real quick that you can just jot down a note, a word, a phrase to help you remember that, oh yeah, this is something I want to remember. And it actually becomes a really fun exercise. And then I'm not done yet, but the next part of the journal is writing out only two areas for growth, but you only get to write these down once you get to 15 specific things that you've done really well. You only get two areas because it's hard to remember to focus on more than two at any time. 
By writing down only two areas, you can look back at yesterday's journal and know exactly what you need to focus on today during your training. So this is something to kind of finish your day and say, I'm going to grow in these two areas. These are two areas that I need to grow in, that I want to grow in. And then after this is done, then because this is going to be helpful for you for tomorrow. So you look at what, so tomorrow you're going to look at what you want to work on and focus on working on those things. Finally, the last thing you want to write out is at least two things that you learned today. Because remember, nothing is a test. Everything is an opportunity to learn, but we need to actually focus on learning. All right. So it takes a lot of discipline to stick with this what went well journal, but that's what we're calling it. The what went well journal, because that's the main focus. So let me give you a little bit of an example of how this would be written. Okay. And I'm just going to read some things. Um, and this comes straight out of the chop wood carry water book by Joshua Medcalf, by the way, if you ever want to uh, look this up and get that book, I'll put a link in the show notes for the book. So the worth statement would say something like this. My value comes from who I am, not from what I do. And that could be your worth statement. If you want to adopt that, that's fine because it's really, really good. My, where does your value come from? It comes from who I am in Christ, not from what I do, right? Or who I need to impress. So your growth mindset is going to be this. Anything that happens to me today is in my best interest, and it's an opportunity for me to learn and grow. This is a growth mindset. If you want to just use that, that's totally fine. What matters here is this last part, these next parts. What went well? Okay, so here are 15 possible things that could you, you could write that went well. So you have an example. Number one, I kept my stance solid for every shot. This is an example of somebody who's learning how to shoot a bow and arrow. Okay. Number two, I caught myself wondering if I would be able to finish the practice, started to talk to myself instead of listening to myself. Another thing that went well. Number three, I was intentional about treating the other apprentices very well, even when I felt like they didn't deserve it. Number four, I chose to take deep breaths before I, I approached the firing line. I held my core stable and kept clean lines in my shooting form. I cleared my mind before each release and remembered to focus on controllables. I saw Katsuo shoot three tight groupings, but I chose not to compare and focus on my own shots. I chose to see myself being very strong, even when I felt my shoulder shake on my last set of draws. When I got frustrated, I wanted to give up. I reminded myself that I'm building my own house. Number 10, I started and finished my practice today without anyone forcing me. Number 11, I kept my breathing slow and focused on the firing line. Number 12, I remembered to keep visualizing each arrow hitting where I aimed it, even when my shots were off. Do you see how these statements are, again, training your brain to think about what went well? Number 13, I remembered to pause and settle my mind and breathe before each release. Number 14, I encouraged the other apprentices by reminding them of what they were doing well. Number 15, I did a very good job of letting the negative thoughts fly on by and not give them power. So those are 15 statements. And these last two, these are areas for growth and what I learned. So areas for growth, keeping my mind clear and focusing on my process, even when I am distracted and the second part, second area for growth is staying present after a mistake and fo focusing on what I need to do now. That's it. Those are things to focus on.
And then what I learned, this can be something that you already know, but learned the importance of again as well. I shoot tighter groupings when I remember to release my goals and focus on my controllables instead. By focusing, this is the second one, by focusing on what my fellow apprentices do well, it creates a much better energy and environment for growth and optimum performance. So that's your what went well journal. If you write this and you make this a habit for seven days, I would like to challenge you to do this for seven days, seven days from today. So today is Monday, Monday, February 25th. You do this for seven days. That goes all the way until March 3rd. Who's with me? Comment below in the post if you're reading this on uh, in the Facebook community or share it with me in the Facebook community that you are taking up the challenge to write in your journal of what went well. Write a worth statement, write a growth statement, a growth mindset, I mean, then write at least 15 things that went well. Challenge yourself to write two more than you did the day before. And then and two areas for growth, no more than two. And two things that you learned, what I learned. And then I want to hear how the seven days go. I want to hear that you are taking me up on the challenge. And if you say that you're going to take me up on this challenge, then I want to hear after day seven, how it went for you, how it's going for you. Make it a habit. All right, friends, that is it for me today. This has been an hour long podcast. I pray that it blesses you. I pray that it's full of uh, inspiration and motivation and faith building for you. That's it for me, friends. I'm Eric Nordoff, and you're listening to The Courage Cast. Mm-hmm.